Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of Positive Aging Sourcebook. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. Today, we learned how digital content marketing, blogs, articles, videos, and podcasts can be a strategic way to connect with your ideal customer and drive real business results. You'll learn why high quality content works and how it helps keep prospects to get to know you, like you, and trust you, and then potentially buy from you in the senior living space. Today, our guest is John Denuzio, who brings nearly 20 years of experience from the newsroom of the Washington Post, working both on its print edition and its website. He now has his own digital marketing business, Squarely Digital, which he's been running since 2013. So let's jump into the conversation with John. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here today and talking about something that's a mystery to many of us, which is the the term content marketing, what it is, how do you do it, and and all of that. We're going to dive in to, to that in great detail, I know, uh, because our audience is going to ask you lots of questions. Uh, so do that audience, but the, um, but before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about your career and what led you to being a, an expert in this area of content marketing. Great. Hey, hey, thanks, Steve. And thanks for having me here today. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am an ex-journalist. I worked in journalism for more than 20 years and most of it at the Washington Post. And I left uh, and started this business about eight years ago. And so content was kind of really a natural move for me, right? I, I, I was an editor, I was a reporter, I felt I understood it. And um, as I often tell, you know, when I, the story I often tell is I have a friend who runs a web development firm. And he told me when I was kind of figuring out what I was gonna do next, he said, you know, I have a lot of people who design websites or I design websites for, and I, we finish the job and then they come back to me a month or two and they say, uh, what do I do now? And if you had something you could help those people with, that might be a business. So that's kind of how the, where this all started. Yeah. And, and I think in the world of journalism, the internet was the ultimate disruptor. I mean, and, um, and it's been, uh, as many people know, I was with the Washington Post for 20 years uh, as well. And the, 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 the newsroom looks radically different than it did on all the president's men. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's very digital. And, and the amazing thing, I think, from a journalist perspective is, you know, a, a journalist used to write an article and it would be on the front page and you could assume that people were reading it. But now, you, when things are published on the internet, you can actually see who's reading it, how long they're reading it, how engaged they are, and, you know, the actions that, are, that occur. Um, the, uh, it's, it's also fitting that you're talking about this, this subject because back in the good old days, um, we as organizations, we really relied on the media to get the word out about things. And now I tell people is, is that we are all in control. It's, it's like we've got our own little media empire and it's, and it's on your social media and it's on your website is, is that you're in complete control of what you put out there and how you put it out there. And you can build an audience the same way that media outlets do as well. So um, 
I know I'm babbling here, um, yeah, but uh, but so so you're a journalist, and then you yeah. sort of moved into so so. And I had a, you have I, your own firm, right? Yes, and I had a stage. I was a print journalist for most of my career, but in the last five or six years of that, um, I moved over to the digital side, and that's where I kind of started to get a feel for it. And then it came a time I was like, oh, you know, I think it's time to to do something else, and. Uh, so I started doing digital marketing and I, you know, my first clients wanted a little bit of content, a little bit of pay-per-click advertising. Uh, and I, I learned the pay-per-click advertising on the fly, learned the principles of SEO. I, I knew some of it from, from journalism and just started to apply it and learned the marketing side, you know, the buyer's journey and how, and all that sort of thing. And it's kind of come together as a nice package. The nice thing, and we can get into this in the uh, talk about content marketing is, like you said, you're telling your own story and there's a lot of parallels to journalism, right? You want to engage people in a similar way and you want to give them, make it a valuable experience for them in much the way a journalist is trying to do when they tell their stories. I, I love it. Um, now, I, I think you've got a, a presentation to walk through uh, for us and you've got a slide deck, but, but I'm really excited because we've already got one question that came in and I'm just going to sort of give this to you but I'm also doing this to remind the audience, let's have a discussion. Our, the best presentations are the ones where you guys are throwing out ideas and questions. But Sophia Ross says, can you talk about or give examples of what not to do or major red flags to stay away from in, in, in regards to content marketing? So I'm just gonna throw that one out to you. And if you wanna weave it into your presentation, that's great, or we can address it at the very end. I know, uh, I'm gonna mention that uh, when we get to a certain slide. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's Sophia Ross asked that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm writing the note down to remember, but I know where, where <laughs> that fits. So yeah, exactly, yeah, that's perfect. It's a good question, very good question. Excellent, okay. Um, well, if you wanna share your slide, I'm gonna drop behind the curtain. Okay. I'll, I'll jump in if there's any, um, uh, you know, questions or issues that come up, but uh, real psyched to uh, dive into this important topic. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, here goes. All right, are you guys seeing that screen? Yep, yeah, we see it. Fantastic, okay. Uh, next, okay, yeah, so Steve, yeah, I was able to give some of my background already with Steve uh, about my background as a journalist at the Washington Post and how it kind of makes sense that I would go from journalism to content marketing. Uh, to be honest though, when I started the company, uh, I enjoyed working online and was comfortable with technology and the internet and writing, but the word marketing didn't sit very well with me at first. Uh, marketing carries some negative connotations too, especially for a journalist. But what I've discovered over time is that there's some sorts of marketing that I'm really comfortable with and comfortable uh, suggesting and recommending to my clients uh, search ads on Google are one, because you know that if someone types something into Google, they're looking for you know, laundry detergent and an ad comes up for laundry detergent, that's what they wanted. You're not forcing anything on them that they didn't want. You're not scamming them. That's, that feels like an honest business transaction to me. Uh, content marketing is another thing that I'm really comfortable with. Uh, why? Because it's an honest, helpful way to introduce your product or service to people who need them and assist people in making a smart decision about it. And as a side benefit, it works. Uh, 
there are two parts of this presentation. In part one, I'm gonna define content marketing to the best of my ability. Um, as a business person, you know what marketing is and you know marketing is important. You need it to bring in new customers. But as a consumer, you also know how people and how you feel about TV commercials and pop-up ads on, the, on a website. They're annoying. They interrupt what you're doing. And even worse, a lot of times, you don't trust the, kind of the claims they're making in these, in these ads you see. But what if I told you there's a type of online marketing that people actually look for themselves, they seek it out. And when they find it and read it, or they watch it or listen to it, it actually makes them trust the company more. It's called content marketing. And here's a definition I pulled from the Content Marketing Institute, which is a website that I think does really good work. Uh, as you can see, content marketing is a strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. I think that's a really good, complete definition. And let's break it down a little bit. Um, there's some key words there that I've highlighted here that we can go into. When it says, the definition says that content marketing is strategic, that means every piece of content that you create is part of a plan. You're doing it with a goal in mind. Uh, just because you see, oh, my competitor blogged about topic X, that's not a good enough reason to create your own blog post about that. That's not strategic, right? So you want to be strategic about what you do with content marketing. Uh, by saying the content is valuable, this definition is saying, you know, the marketing content you create informs your prospective customer instead of annoying them. They get something out of it. It's, you know, you're, you're giving of yourself and being generous here. Uh, when I say it's relevant, it's relevant to their situation, their problems, their aspirations, and it's targeted which is something the internet can do really well, better than TV and radio in a lot of ways, right? You can use some of the tools on the internet to make sure you reach the, the, the people you wanna reach. Uh, the word consistent, obviously, it means you're producing your content on a regular basis. Content marketing is not effective if you just kind of try to employ a one and done strategy. You've gotta do it on a regular basis over time to get results. And then a clearly defined audience is your ideal customer. Uh, I've highlighted at the end the word profitable. I don't think you need me to explain why that part is important in the definition. Uh, that's part of the deal too though. So if we wanna get more specific, I'd say there are two more important characteristics of digital or online content marketing. One, it leads a prospect through the buyer's journey. That's the metaphorical trip we all take when we go from thinking about buying something to actually making the purchase. And then the content, is more focused on your prospects problems rather than your, uh, rather than your solutions. Your content marketing can't be me, 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 look what I do. And that's Sophia Ross's question, you know, things to avoid in content marketing. If you're talking about yourself too much and your features of your product and why you think your product is so great, then you're making a little bit of a mistake with content marketing. You wanna say, here are the problems I solve Here's what it's gonna do for you. Uh, types of content marketing you generally see online include blog posts, videos, podcasts, case studies, infographics, and more. You're familiar with a lot, if not all of those, I'm sure. Uh, if you put all of that together, the benefits of content marketing, 
the valuable, relevant content you produce consistently are one, it pulls customers in. Instead of you pushing it in front of their faces, if you're a senior moving service, for instance, you gain business by converting the people who Google how to help my dad downsize, and then they end up your, at your website. They eventually kind of form a relationship you, with you and buy from you. That's, that's the way content marketing is working in an ideal situation. Uh, content marketing also builds a relationship between you and the prospect before any money is exchanged. If your blog post is about downsizing and it's helpful and credible, people read it and they start to trust you. And that's what this is all about, trust. Trust lays a solid foundation for future transactions. There are additional benefit, benefits to content marketing as well. For one, it demonstrates your expertise. A prospect might think, well, if this company knows so much about the challenges of downsizing, I bet they take into consideration all those factors when they're actually doing the move, right? They start to say, oh, they know what they're doing here. It builds your brand. Even the people who don't buy from you start to know you and they'll refer others to you maybe even if they didn't, they didn't uh, use your services um, themselves. Uh, content marketing is great because believe it or not, it narrows your audience. This is an important part of content marketing. It should make clear who you help and what problems you can fix so the people you can't help move on instead of wasting your time with an inquiry, right? You're not only appealing to the people who you can do business with, but you're making it clear uh, these people, I don't do this and I don't do that. I just do this. And that helps you. It saves time in the end and resources. Uh, finally, content marketing is great because it has search engine optimization or SEO benefits. SEO is the art of showing up prominently and searches on Google and on Bing and other places, but mostly on Google because they dominate the search market. Uh, it used to involve a lot of technical changes and tricks with your website, you know, keyword stuffing, they called it, where you'd put the same word in the the blog post 17 times to make sure Google saw you. Uh, but that stuff doesn't really work anymore. What really matters to Google is do people consume and link to your content and do they find it valuable? If people Google something, they see you, they go to that article and they stay on for a while, Google notices and you rise in the search rankings. So now part two, how does this all work? Uh, in this part of the session, I'm gonna share my method for creating high quality, effective content marketing. Uh, the key steps are one, identifying a target audience and their needs. Two, planning for each stage of the buyer's journey. Three, writing content that converts. Four, performing a thorough self-edit. And then five, anticipating the next step. And I like to note that a lot of time in this, the presentation, I might say the word writing because of my journalism background when I'm talking about creating content, but this method applies to audio and video content as well. But writing is just kind of that natural word that falls out of my mouth, so you'll hear that. Uh, before I start, sorry, before I start on a piece of content marketing for a client, or before I get the client started and help them down that path, I ask two questions. One, who is this gonna be for? And two, how ready are they to buy? And that's another reference to the buyer's journey, the stages people typically, typically go through before they're making a purchase. To define who the content is for, I suggest clients create customer personas. You've probably heard of these. Detailed descriptions of your ideal customers. Uh, you wanna answer questions like the ones I've listed on this slide. Who are they? Where are they in their company hierarchy if they're, you're selling to a business? 
what are their motivations, et cetera. You go into detail on the characteristics, interests, problems, and behaviors that are relevant to your product or service and how they will be most likely to find your content. So you're thinking not only who this person is, but kind of where they are online. Do they use Facebook more than they use Twitter? You know, where will they, how can I get this content in front of them as well as what content will appeal to them? The better you understand your customers your, and your prospects, the better you're gonna be able to create content that engages them. So some businesses might stop at saying, okay, our ideal customer is a financially comfortable senior. That's who we market to. But others go deeper. They say, look, if I reach retired Anne Arundel County teachers, age 70 plus who have a pension plan, then I'm gonna have a much better chance of success. That's defining a customer persona, right? You've really said, this is exactly who I wanna reach. And that will inform all the decisions you make down the line about your content and how you promote it. Uh, now that you've defined who the who in this equation, let's look at how close they are to buying. The classic way to look at this is called the buyer's journey, and it's typically divided into three stages, awareness, consideration, and decision. When a prospect's in the awareness stage, they're aware they have a problem, but they're not sure exactly what it is. Your content will help them identify that problem. In the consideration stage, they're thinking about different solutions to the problem. Your content is helping them evaluate the solutions. And your solution is gonna be one of them, maybe not the only one you're talking about, but that's, that's where you're starting to say, this is what we do and how we address that problem. And then in the decision stage, your content addresses those who've decided your solution is a good fit, your type of solution is a good fit, and it helps them decide to buy. So here's an example um, of a buyer's journey. Say a homeowner has found a puddle peeking out from under their dishwasher. In the awareness stage, they're wondering, okay, where is this leak coming from? And your content helps them understand the problem and introduce solutions. You know, they, you start you start to help them figure out, diagnose the problem, right? In the consideration stage, they're starting to think, okay, I, I have an idea why this happened, but how do I get it fixed? And then you're helping them zoom in on the best solution for a leaky dishwasher. You know hiring a, a mechanic, getting a new dishwasher, whatever else is in between, doing it yourself, et cetera. And then in the decision stage, they're deciding, okay, which one is the best for me? Which solution is the way to go? What am I gonna put down my money for? And your content helps them see exactly what your solution does and why it's best for them, if it is best for them, but you're hoping it is best for them and you're making that case. In a good marketing content marketing plan, you'll start creating content for each persona you come up with, and then for each stage of the buyer's journey. So you, I think of it like a matrix, right? So for persona one, I'm gonna make some awareness stage content, I'm gonna make some consideration stage content, I'm gonna write up some decision stage content. And that's kind of my long-term plan is to fill this, all, this matrix out with a bunch of different ideas and then actually execute and write those ideas. Uh, so here's an example, you know, some examples. Um, I've taken in each stage um, a different type of business and kind of come up with an example. So if we look at this in the awareness stage where you're trying to help a reader understand the root of their problem and introduce solutions, say you're a daily money manager, you might be writing how to help an aging parent with their finances. This is very awareness stage content, right? You're not saying this, do it this way or do it that way. You're just, getting them in that space where they're thinking about their options. 
consideration stage where you're helping readers zero in on the best type of solution for their problem. Say you're a senior transportation service. You might write a blog post that's what to look for in a senior transportation service. You're basically laying out the pros and cons of different solutions that they could be going at. So they start to firm up their decision. Okay, what am I gonna do? No, th that makes sense to me. I, I think this kind of transportation service makes sense for me. And then hopefully they move to the decision stage where you're helping the reader see exactly what your solution does and why it's best for them. Say you're a home care provider. You might write a blog post. What a typical home, what a typical day with a home care provider is like. This is that kind of in-depth case study content where people really get the, uh, the idea of what it's like if they buy from you exactly what they're gonna get. And that's great decision stage content. Once you've chosen a topic, so say you've laid all this out, you figured, okay, I'm gonna write these 10 blog posts over the next few months. Uh, and you, you're, I'm gonna start with this one. Once you've chosen that topic and you sit down to write, you wanna create an engaging piece of content, of course. Here are some keys to doing that. One key, choosing the right voice. You wanna speak the language of your customer. Is it a business-like uh, language? Are they casual? Do they use a lot of jargon or is it very easily understandable? You always write to that audience and want to make them make it sound like the, the other conversations they have in their life, right? Another key to being engaging, tell a story. Just because you're writing about business doesn't mean you have to be dry and boring. A story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then there's some problem or tension that's resolved over the course of that. Can you create content like that? You really should try to, right? That's what's going to engage people and keep them, keep them uh, on the page from start to finish. Um, you wanna start strong. Um, this is what we call in journalism a lead, the first paragraph of your story, first sentence, two sentences of, your, of what you've written. You really wanna grab their attention there. If you don't grab their attention in the first few lines, you're gonna lose them. This is the internet. There are infinite choices. If they get to something, it seems boring in a couple seconds, they're on to the next thing. So your lead, your, your beginning is very, very important. And finally, write a really good headline. Uh, believe it or not, a headline is almost as important as the content that's below it. If you write a bad headline, it doesn't grab a reader's attention, doesn't tell them what it's, a be, it's about or appeal to them in any way, they're on to the next thing. And the other important thing to know about headlines is they have a lot of SEO value. If you write a good headline with, that really reflects the key, the key concepts in your piece, it's gonna show up better in, in Google. Uh, perhaps the most common question someone like me gets when people start on content marketing is how long should I make these pieces? There's no set answer. In the news business, uh, there's a saying that a really good long story feels like it takes no time at all to read and a poorly written short story takes forever to get through. And that's true, right? But I will say online, in general, online is sh or shorter is better online. Uh, people are multitasking. They're in a hurry. They have a lot of choices, like we said, online. So they scan and skim. So not many people are gonna get through a long blog post or a long video. Short and sweet is usually better. Once you've finished writing a short and sweet, that short and sweet content, you're not really done. A key principle to my approach is to creating high quality content is reviewing your work to make it better. If you don't spend this time after you're finished, really polishing it and making sure it's as good as possible. It's not gonna be high quality. 
and quality does make a big difference. That's what keeps people around. And like I said, when you keep people around, Google rewards you and you earn trust and re respectability, et cetera. So I suggest what I like to call a triple review. After you're done, the first thing you do, read through or listen or watch your piece as if you were the reader or the viewer or the listener. How does it sound to them? It's difficult to take that step back and kind of look at your work from the reader's perspective, but if you can do it, it'll help a lot. And sometimes maybe if you can't do it, get a friend or a colleague to look to. You need that extra perspective on it. Uh, then I say go through another review. This time go through just looking for grammar and style. By style, I mean clear and concise writing. Are you using the right word? Is that the right word? Is this the right phrase, et cetera? Are you using too many words? You know, if you read, read a sentence out loud that you've written and you run out of breath, then yeah, you're using too many words. Try to keep it short and to the point. And extraneous words should, you know, get them out of your, uh, out of your copy. Finally, the third review, go through and look at the nuts and bolts of your writing, things like sp spelling and punctuation. One trick that works for me at this stage is I read my piece backwards, sentence by sentence backwards, up from the bottom to the top. That takes the context out of it, and it makes me just think about those words right there. Are they spelled right? Are they the right word? Is it, you know, does it all make sense? Have I missed a punctuation, a point of punctuation, et cetera? Uh, I find that really helpful, reading backwards through it to, to kind of catch those small errors. This, this stuff may all sound like real nitpicky stuff, but it's important. Content that gets the details right is more trustworthy. And like I said, content marketing is all about trust. You're building trust. Once you've completed that triple review, the final stage is anticipating and encouraging the reader's next step. What do you want them to do next? If you're creating a consideration stage piece, that middle stage, you might have a decision stage piece that you want them to see next. Or maybe you want them to subscribe to your email newsletter to receive more of this type of content. Whatever it is, you need to tell them. We call it a call to action. Uh, you're familiar with a call to action, I'm sure. Uh, you see them all over the internet. They're the buttons and links and headlines, often like this orange one on this page, uh, that tell people, hey, do this now. You should consider this. Take this next step. Um, and call to actions are super important in content marketing. You want to move them along and get them to the next thing, encourage them to do this. Uh, you should also think about where are you going to promote this piece? Simply publishing um, content on your website and moving on to your next task doesn't guarantee a single page view. You have no idea if people are going to see it. So you need to make a distribution plan and stick to it. Whether it's posting on social media, emailing people and contacts, encouraging friends to share it, using advertising to bring in readers, all of it can work. Just make sure you've done it. You know, I guess uh, when Sophia asked about, you know, things you need to avoid in content marketing, this would be my other thing is thinking, just putting it on my website is good enough and moving on to the next thing. It's not good enough. Uh, if you'd like additional resources and help with content marketing, here are a few websites that I think have really great content and kind of how-to content, uh, tips both about the content and the SEO, et cetera. Digital Marketer, HubSpot, and Moz are all fantastic um, websites with a lot of good information. And I always recommend Ann Handley's bi-weekly email. Uh, it's all about content marketing, and she's, you know, she's a really great writer as well as, you know, really plugged in and knows what she's talking about. 
So if you go to annhanley.com slash newsletter, you, just, you could subscribe. Every other Sunday, you get an email. And I, I always smile when that pops into my inbox. Uh, finally, I offer some free resources as well. On my website, I have a guide to creating content, uh, quality content. You can download it there at squarelydigital.com slash guide. I run content marketing tune-up workshops every so often. They're free. It's a Zoom session where participants come in and they bring one piece of content and we kind of workshop it together and talk about what works and what doesn't work. Uh, the next one's on May 7th. That's a Friday uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. And that's at squarelydigital.com slash tune-up. And finally, you could just email me. I do free consultations, quick consultations with people as well. Uh, There's my email, john at squarelydigital.com. So yeah. that's the this presentation. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm glad you threw in uh, the uh, the resource to uh, have you help uh, with, with content, because when you run through all the details that are involved, you realize that this is, uh, this is a challenging job, and a lot of times it's one of these things that's sort of thrown at us from our boss that, oh, you're going to be the one updating the website, and I want you to write a blog post or whatever. And uh, let's see, uh, who was it? I think Gail Hoverman said, she says, I'm not that great of a spell speller. I love the idea of reading backwards. I've never heard that tip. But, but I can see where that's where you're going to really, you're forcing yourself to look at the words and not assume that they're spelled correctly. Um, yeah, because you've written it, right? You've written the piece and you know what it says. So when you read it, start to finish, your mind fills in all the gaps. You know what's there already. You, yeah. yeah you the, this is great. Um, let's see. Catherine Bedow uh, has her hand raised. Um, this, sometimes this is a mistake, but Catherine, if you um, if it's not a mistake and you have a question or a comment, unmute yourself and uh, we will get to your question. Um, Bess Witoski is says, can you repeat blogs info on social media and in newsletters? Does it does the repeating hurt or, hurt or help? Yeah. So I guess you know, you do a blog post and uh, then can you repost or how do you do that with your emails and your social media? So that's a really good question. And this is, it's part of the, like, if I did a second presentation, a big part of it would be about repurposing your content. You know, we're all busy and, uh, you know, there are a lot of demands on us. So I, I think it's really smart to think about how you can use the content in multiple places, right? Say you write a blog post, take some of the best stuff and you repeat it on social media. Yes, do it. Uh, you write it, you record a video on YouTube, take the script and make it a blog post. Repeating is not bad. Repurpose, maybe add a little value, change it up a little bit, but you can get a lot of mileage out of the content you do if you think it through. Yeah, so repeating is not bad. You know, just change it up a little bit, add a little value, put it in a format. You know, obviously Twitter values brevity and things like that, so you have to change it a little bit, but yeah. Also, one one uh, amazing resource that I want to make sure that the audience knows about is a website called rev.com, R-E-V.com. And if you have uh, a YouTube video, a Zoom meeting with your colleagues, um, you can upload that to Rev. And for a very affordable rate, they will transcribe it 
in in literally hours. Um, I uh, use them all the time to do transcriptions, and um, they're they're really good. Steve, um, Steve, one thing else I should say about repurposing content is it works the other way too, where I've had a lot of success. Say you write five blog posts about a similar topic, about one topic. Eventually, take those, turn them into a PDF, a downloadable white paper that, you know, then you can you say to get my whole, you know, the complete guide to this topic, give me your email address and download it. It's a great content marketing. Uh, you know, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, oftentimes I, I meet with so many of you guys on your marketing is, is that oftentimes it's sort of like, we've got to create uh, a how-to guide on hiring a home care agency or whatever it is, okay? And that task can be overwhelming. You know, it's sort of like, well, we can't do it. Let's go out and get John Denuzio. He's a writer. He can do it, you know, whatever. But one way to approach that is break it off, like John just said, in little chunks. It's sort of like, okay, the outcome at the end of the six month period is we're gonna have a little book put together on how to choose a home care agency, but let's do it by doing some well-crafted uh, blog posts every other week so that at the end result, we've got our book done and nobody you know, had to stay up night and write the term paper. Um, yep. Let's see, uh, Audra Bakaitis has a really good uh, talking uh, point for discussion. She says, do you think it's equally important to market to adult children who may be, who, who may also be seniors themselves or to their parents or one over the other? And, and before I get your feedback on this, John, I, I like the fact that you started this off is you got to know who your audience is. And one of the, one of the challenges that I've faced through my career, and I know many of us face, is, is that I basically have three audiences that I'm always communicating with. The older adults planning for themselves, the adult children who are helping mom and dad, and then the third audience is the senior serving professional that's out there. And I can't tell you how challenging it is when you're trying to write articles and content to three different audiences. It's not easy. And uh, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. So it depends on the situation, obviously. But if you're in a situation like you are, Steve, where you say you have three different audiences, you write different content for each of them. Don't try to combine them. Don't say this piece is both for audience A and audience B. Just write that one for A, appeal just to them, and then later write the one for B. It has a couple benefits. One, you know, it, it's directly relevant to that one audience, right? They're not going to get to one point in the piece and say, oh, this part isn't for me. It's all for them. So it keeps them engaged. And two, it gives you more ideas, right? Why cut your, you know, why make it harder on yourself by saying, I'm going to combine this and just make one piece? No, you have an easy way to make multiple uh, stories that way. So, yeah, you know, in this field, it's a lot like B2B where there are a lot of decision makers and you have to appeal to all of them. Yeah, and you know that one of the beauties of having a um, a website is that you can create sections for your content. So here is our our catalog of articles. If you're planning ahead for yourself, here is our catalog of articles. If you're uh, if you care about a loved one, um, 
Mary Darn says, I'm a senior specialist realtor and I market to both the seniors themselves and to the adult children, different content for different targets. Right on, yeah. uh, Mary. Um, oh, I love this question from Deb Merrimer. Um, she's with Buckley's for Seniors. She says, we frequently get requests from outside sources asking to write blog content for us for free. What's in it for them? Why might one consider using these free blog posts? I, I get those too uh, as well, Deb, and, and I have some thoughts on this, but I'm curious, John, um, what, um, can you share any perspective? Yeah, sure, on that? so from the outside company's perspective, that's called link building, it's an SEO tactic, and they're trying to get their content on other websites with a link back to their site. Because that builds, if you have links to your website on other people's websites, that helps your SEO. The more of those, the better. So they're trying to get that. They're also trying to grow their brand or their, the awareness of what they do. So that's the kind of obvious things that are in it for them. Should you do it? If it's good content, there's no harm in having guest blog posts, right? No harm at all. If, you, if it's good content and you're linking to someone you respect or can trust, yes. You know, just as long as you're taking your reader's best interest in mind, yeah, make now, the decision that way. Yeah, no, really good response there, John. And so Deb, you know, and everybody is, is that when you get these solicitations, the, I think one important thing is reading through the content. And uh, like, I, I frequently get a lot of press releases. And when you get press releases, nine out of 10 times, in the headline, they put the company name, you know, and oftentimes we'll publish a press release almost verbatim, except for, as John had said, we rewrite the headline. So it's sort of, it says, if it says sort of like CVS Pharmacy conducts a research paper, research study that older adults don't like to drive, I'll take out the CVS pharmacy and just say research on older adults driving and um, you know doing it that way. I, I'm assuming that if somebody is asking you to post a um, a free article, John, um, they're going to be perfectly happy if you made a few edits to it and posted it. Um, they're asking you to post it, correct? Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, the um, Okay. Uh, all right, guys. Well, um, let's see. Jennifer Brown says, uh, the key comment is trust. Do you want to be affiliated with the other company? Vetting these requests and companies is very difficult. I, I totally agree. Yep. And you know, that I, John, you said it really well in the beginning is, is that, you know, it's sort of this selfish nature. Most of us you know, we get in this sort of selfish mode. It's sort of like the companies that are sending out the solicitation, they've got a focus. They want to get their content on other people's websites. You know, one of the ways to sort of, and whether or not that appeals to your customers and to your prospects is, um, you have to be selfish in terms of, is this gonna be something that is gonna make the lives of people that land on my website or read my newsletter feel better? Um, you know, over the years, John, I've, um, I get solicitations on this quite frequently. And I know many of my customers have sort of like hired outside firms because what you've spelled out 
to us in terms of how to do really good content is rather overwhelming. And so you'll see these companies that are out there and they'll be like, hey, we can help you. We can help you be ranked number one on Google and uh, we'll put together your content and what have you. And I've you know, talked to my clients that have hired some of these firms and some are very good, but oftentimes what I see is, is that it's like, it's a big company that's in Des Moines, Iowa, and you know, they don't really know your business. They're just throwing together articles chock full of you know, random keywords in the hopes that that's gonna improve your SEO and you're gonna keep on paying the monthly bill. Um, I, I'm assuming you don't run one of these factories. And, um, and, and I'm also assuming that you have pretty in-depth conversations with clients on either coaching them to write content or you writing the content for them. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Um, you know, I have different engagements with different types of clients. And sometimes it is kind of like a coaching or editing experience where they, we work together on the ideas, they write the content, they bring it back to me and say, what do you think? And I edit it and, and it goes out. Sometimes they're handing all, all of it off to me and I'll, I'll get some other people on my team and we'll, we'll get together and we'll do, we do it all for them. But even in that second case, we're spending a lot of time talking to the client to make sure we understand exactly what their business is, who their ideal customer is, what the value they're offering, all that stuff. You know, we really want to make sure we understand it well. And uh, generic content, you know, that's kind of in the ballpark isn't going to do anything for you. You'll find some of those firms, they're giving the same content basically to a bunch of different websites, you know, in different regions of the country. And if it's the same, if it's out there, if it's, if it's a commodity, it's obviously not going to help you very much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Catherine Beto has a great question, and this is something that I'm super passionate about. And she says, how effective are testimonials on a web page? And you sort of talked about this. Storytelling, in my opinion, is the absolute best content that's out there. And, and the proof is in the pudding is, is that look at, you know, the front page of the Washington Post, look at, you know, all the media that we read, it's always a story about somebody, okay? Now, where this sometimes, and, and, and I know I'm babbling here, but where this sometimes can take a shift from sales pitch, from, from, from storytelling to sales pitch is in that testimonial phase, okay? So that, you know, um, I think, you know, people like reading that somebody likes a company and, and uses a company. But I think when we're talking about content, I think they want to hear the story about, about how and why and the, and, and the journey to working with that company. Um, right. So... Yeah, so there are two things I, I think of when I see I, when I saw that question. One, testimonials in general, when people put the quotes on their website, you know, that's great. I think it's very important to do. It's an important part of you know optimizing your website because people want to see social proof that it works. But like you said, as far as content, like content marketing we're talking about, which is more in depth, if case studies are really great. I encourage everybody if you can do a case study, do it. You know. 
because you can write then in depth about what you do, what your process is, what it's like to work with you, what benefits that the people receive, all framed in this, the kind of put into this frame of, hey, this client, this actual person, this actual company got this from us when they did it. So yeah, content, uh, that kind of case study, you know, success story is super effective and really important. And like I said, in the presentation, most of the time it's really effective as decision stage content. When people are deciding, I think I like, you know, Steve's company, should I go with them? Then something like that can put them over the top. Yeah, and you know, you talked about repurpo repurposing content is, is that one of, the, one of the best ways to get awesome testimonials is to do you is to interview your your clients on their experience and say hey we want to maybe it's a section on your your website where you have client interviews or resident interviews or family interviews and you sort of put this together that's where you're going to get some real authentic uh quotes and and testimonials absolutely um, and so, you know uh, you should be talking this is beyond what I talk about, but in a sense, but you should be talking to your customers and asking them questions like that anyway. And it also will help you when you're defining your customer persona, coming up with ideas for content that you're creating, everything that they tell you can be fodder for that, right? Oh, they really like when we do, when we do this, turn that into a blog post, you know? Oh, they really, they, they decided to go with us because of this. Well, that's going to help you decide to write something too. Great. Okay. Uh, let's see. We've got a question on the screen. I brought up rev.com and what I'm going to do, so I'm going to share my little dashboard here. Um, somebody was asking about rev.com and, and how it works. And I want to show you something pretty cool here. This is my dashboard for um, rev.com. And what you see is these are these could be uh, YouTube videos, they could be Zoom meetings, what have you. And here's, here's one. This is actually, I interviewed, I did the interview for the upcoming um, uh, cover story uh, for the upcoming uh, Positive Aging Sourcebook. Um, really excited about this journalist, David Shoemaker. Um, you probably remember him, John. He was uh, on ABC. He is in an assisted living community, and I interviewed him over a Zoom call. And all I had to do was upload that um, audio file to Rev.com, and it gives me this amazing transcript that I now can give to my editor to write the story. And um, but uh, this is, you know, I know many of us in the audience, one way that we're providing content now is doing webinars. So think about, you could do a webinar, upload um, the, the video to rev.com, and I think it's like 70 bucks an hour or something like that. They'll do a transcript so that now somebody could either watch, they have the choice to either watch that webinar or read the transcript. So for the person that asked that question, I hope that you found that helpful. I, I used to use actual live transcription services. 
and uh, rev.com is live, but um, they're doing something that is amazing, man, because it's so fast and so quick. That looks that looks great. For someone who used to tape some, an interview and then oh transcribe it, it's like. Uh, yeah. I did, I did it, that it would take sometimes take a whole day to, to yeah. listen to it backwards and forwards, you know, um, holy cow. Uh, I, I love how fast these uh, discussions go. The, uh, we got about four or five minutes till the top of the hour. Um, so if anybody wants to creep uh, any last minute questions, by all means, um, throw them in there and um, uh, uh and, and, but then we can start kind of winding down here, John. Do you have any sort of closing thoughts or ideas that you would want to share with the audience? You no, know, I just think, uh, you know, like I, the thing I like to emphasize, I emphasize it a little bit in there is that you're, if you concentrate on the people you want, the customers you have, the customers you want to have and what they need, their problems, the things they are concerned about, and write it from that for everything you create is that from that perspective you're going to have a lot of success that that yeah. in the end is what it's about and, and and honestly i'm glad you're saying this that the marketing discussions that we have had on here the truly good marketing strategy and execution requires a deep knowledge of of your customers who they are what they like why they buy from you the more you understand that, the more you can go out and get more people just like them. But when it comes to the content, it's uh, that's a key ingredient. It's sort of like if you don't know who your customers are, then don't um, then it's going to make it harder to uh, prepare content. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking that we should do as a um, a discussion here in the next month or so. Is, is how to properly survey our, our customers yeah. to, to gather this information. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that out to the audience. If anybody either has done a good job of surveying your customer base or would like to be a guinea pig, we could maybe play around with this, uh, with this concept as a group for one of these discussions. Um, well, holy cow. John, I, we're, we're done with our hour here. And uh, I wanna thank everybody for attending. Uh, as, as a reminder, this will be recorded and I'll share that with you. I'll also make sure that we send contact information for John uh, so that you can consult with him and, uh, and get some feedback and maybe get some assistance with your, your content marketing as well. Fantastic, thanks for having me, Steve. Okay. All right. We will be talking to everybody soon. Thanks. Have a good night.